So have a look with me, please, if you would, just for a second. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 10 again. Uh, I did that message. I hope you remember it because it's something that I'm going to repeat until you memorize it. What are the three things? Do you remember? Well, you don't remember. I can tell because you'd be shouting it out and you're not shouting it out. So we're going to go, let us, what was the first let us? Let us draw near. Verse 22, with a truish heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's your intimacy with God. That's the most important thing in life. Number two, number, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. That's your faith life. That's releasing your faith intentionally every day, knowing you can't release faith if you don't know what it is. So learning what faith is and then learning how to exercise it. But if you can exercise your faith, but if you don't know Jesus and if you don't have intimacy with him, you've missed the whole thing. That's why the first love is the most important thing. He complimented all their stuff in, in, in Revelations chapter 2, but he said, but you left your first love. In other words, I'm not the most important thing to you. Working for me is the most important thing to you. And working for Jesus is not as important. Working for the local church is not as important as knowing him. So what is the first one? Let us. Let us draw near. Let us. Second one. Let us hold fast our faith. What's the third one now? Have a look down at verse 24. And let us consider one another. So if you learn to honor one another, which means the local church, and you have intimacy and you understand faith, there's many subpoints under all of that. But those are three umbrella statements that God will be able to get done in this city, in this church, and in your individual life, all that he needs to. You've got to remember these things. You've got to memorize this. Every day, ask yourself, Lord, am I drawing near to you? And don't lie to yourself because many times the answer may be no because you're just too busy. Yeah. But then adjust your schedule so that you can draw near to him more. Lord, am I releasing my faith today? Yeah. Well, if you say yes, what did you release your faith in? Yeah. Well, I, I don't remember. That means you didn't release your faith. Yeah. Yes, if you release your faith, you know what it's for. You could release your faith with me that would have the 38,000, 40,000 a week that we need. You can release your faith for us and we'll get the 500. You can release your faith for us in Jesus' name that the money will come in for the glory center. You can release your faith for things in your life. You can release your faith for the revival in Toronto. There's so many things you can release your faith for. But are you? Ask yourself every day, am I drawing near? Am I releasing my faith? And thirdly, let us consider one another. You need to ask yourself, how am I treating promise of life? Because that's one of the things. It's not just about loving Jesus, the head. It's about loving the body, which is the person beside you. It's, this, it's where God planted you. You're not planted in another church in Toronto. You're planted here. Amen. Thank God for the other church, but your focus is not on that other church. That's, right. that's why people that are church hoppers, doctor called them church tramps. <laughs> They're tramping around all the time like a hobo. That's what you are spiritually. You're a hobo. There's no roots going down. Nobody really knows who you are. Nobody really can count on you. You're kind of useless in the body of Christ because nobody can trust you with any responsibility because nobody sees you more than a week or two. And if there's any hobos in here, repent of that and stop being a tramp and set your roots down. How do I know which is the right church? It's not the one closest to your home. It's not the one that makes you that, that has the pastor with the same skin color as you. The right church is when you walk in and there's a sense in your heart, you don't understand where it came from, you, you, but you can't deny it because it's that clear. I don't know, but this just feels like home. This just feels like a puzzle piece clicking. I don't even like some of the people. I don't like the carpet. I don't like where it is, but this just feels right to me. That's the Holy Ghost saying, this is home. Now, where that place is for you that, that, that is here, <laughs> for pretty much all of you that are here, then, then that is your, let us consider one another. Ask yourself, not just is my relationship with Jesus, 
Jesus strong? And is my faith and my believing him strong? How am I treating one another? Amen. And am I being faithful? Am I going to church unless I absolutely cannot go to church? Am I going on Wednesday night unless I absolutely have to work? Or do I just stay home because I don't feel like getting dressed and getting in the car? That's not being faithful. Because you're, that's really, I'm not trying to be mean, but that's really just a lazy attitude. And we're not going to see a move of God with people with a lazy attitude. We have to pull up our bootstraps. We have to polish our brass. And we have to act like we're in the army of the Lord. <laughs> I can't get into it on live stream. But I watched some of their drills. I watched how they respond to that man, the one with the face covering. He didn't have it except in the picture. But uh, and one of them came, a number of them came up and whispered to me and said, you don't know who you're talking to. Because I didn't. And they said, he is one of the greatest heroes in all of Israel. Everybody in this country respects him. You are talking to a legend. And, 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 and so they were like surprised that he was taking time talking to us. Because he doesn't normally do that. And he just poured open, open his heart, just poured it out. And I think there was a reason for that because God wanted me to know certain things so I can pray yeah. and, and things that I would not otherwise know because you don't get a lot from the news. You need people that actually know what they're talking about because there's a lot of false stuff out there. But I watched them, how he was training them at different point. I got a little video of one. I wasn't supposed to, but I did a covert thing. You know. uh, it was kind of weird because they had live rounds and I'm their guest. Probably wasn't a good idea to do the video. But anyway, I did it anyway because that's just the way I am. And, uh, but but, 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 but I, loved, I loved watching them, how they respond to him. And at one point, you know, they have this certain drill that they're doing and he's, he's kind of got his hands and he's moving with them and he'll give them an instruction and then they have to get down or they have to lie down and then they have to change out magazines and then they have to do it. And they're all doing it in unison. Yes. They're all doing it at the exact same time and they have to. And he, and, and, and he barks commands at them and he's moving and it's like a fluid ballet. I don't even know how to explain. I've never seen something like that before. It was a privilege to watch them. And, and I thought to myself, and as I'm watching that, in the natural, just kind of going like, wow, that's amazing. The Holy Ghost spoke to me. And he said, that's what your church is supposed to be like with you. That's what your church is supposed to be like with you, son. And I thought, now listen to me, that's what your church is supposed to. He didn't say, that's what your church is like with you. He said, that's what they're supposed to be like with you. When the commander gives an instruction, and this is, see, the military mind is not, you're a control freak. Yeah. Yeah. The military mind says, I'm in submission. Yeah. Like the centurion, having soldiers under me. If I say, go, he goes, do this, do, come, he comes. The military mind does not get offended. No. And he barked at some of those quite harshly. Yeah. What are you doing? Why? Because in any minute, yeah. it's going to be life and death for them. Yeah. Canada, it's not really life and death unless you get sent overseas. But in their life, I mean, the next day they could be in Gaza or they could be up, up in, in the, with the Hezbollah in the north. I mean, for them, it is real, as real, as real as it gets. And so he was kind of rough on some of them. But why was he rough? Because he knows this could cost you your life. And if you're dropping your gun or dropping your magazine or when I give an instruction, you're taking an extra two seconds to obey it. That two seconds can kill you. And I thought to myself, this military mind needs to come back to the church. And it's not. Because we're not a military society. We're a loosey-goosey media society. 
the Bible uses analogies. It uses a farmer analogy, sporting analogies, and military analogies. If you study Paul, he talks about all three. He talks about how it's, we're like farmers. He talks about how in terms of symbolic value. He talks about how we're in sports, like, like people that run their race and compete for a prize. And then he talks about military analogies. And that you need to have a focus, a focused eye. And that, and that a soldier... A soldier wants to please his commanding officer and therefore puts aside distractions and buffets his body and becomes strong. He's talking about naturally and follows commands. Then it says that that soldier doesn't go to war at his own expense. In other words, God's supply is for that soldier. You talk about supply, be more faithful to where God's called you. Supply will just show up. You barely have to claim it. Because it says a soldier does not go to war at his own expense. Meaning the soldier doesn't have to use his faith for the government to pay his way. The soldier expects it because I'm a soldier. And I think it's right that we use our faith and we claim all these things right. But on the other side of that, if you just did what God wants you to do, you wouldn't have to claim so much. It would just show up because the government of heaven has to fund soldiers. But the problem is most of us are not soldiers. See, sometimes God does has me go places and it's for things I don't even know. And when he said that, that's the way your church is supposed to be. What, even if that was the only reason I went there to that, on that day to that military compound, it would have been worth it. Because he was trying to get a spiritual reality over to me from a natural thing. There is a mindset in the military. And it is not offended. It is not offended. This precious man, you saw him in the picture. He's 63 years old. His daughter lives in Toronto. He said, I'm going to give her your, I don't believe in everything you believe, but I like you. So I'm going to give her your church. Maybe she come. And I said, you bring her on. We'll, we'll, we'll treat her right. And he said, I'm 63. And he said, I'm still fighting. He said, because we're, they're killing so many. We, everybody needs to step up. And he says to me, he says, now he, the, the captain, he's 42. He said, but He's my commanding officer. He said, there is no issue about age. He said, that, that doesn't even enter our mind. He is our hero. He knows more than any of us put together. He's been at this for 20 years. And he said, we trust him with our lives. And we would go into battle with him to the death. So when he says drop, we drop. And when he says run, we run. There's no, well, you spoke harshly. Now you laugh, but how many Christians in this church have said, Pastor, you're so harsh because you don't have a military mind. And the Bible tells us we're supposed to have a military mind. That's not a Craig Field thing. That's a Bible thing. We are the army of the Lord. I know there's songs about that that are kind of cheesy. And then the army of the Lord. Hey, okay. We're not going to sing the Maranatha song right now. But we really are, we really are scripturally an army and there has to be a change of thought process. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, uh, I, I didn't, I, I, that, that example there was just added on this trip because I had the sermon prepared ahead of time before I went to Israel. But I'm telling you, there is a, a change that has to happen in your thought process. You need to buffet yourself. That means harden yourself like a soldier would to please the commanding officer, which ultimately is Jesus. Because we have a job to do. We have prayer to do. We have intercession that has to happen. There's, 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 there's businesses that are supposed to flourish so they can become funders and give millions. 
There's others that are not called to that, that anointing of giving, but they're called to encourage people more than anything else. There's others that are called to lead. There's others that are called to administration. There's others that are called to teach. Every, you read Romans chapter 12. There's seven giftings listed there for the body of Christ. Not fivefold offices, but lay people. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a job. But in that job, there is a, there is, there is a, there is a military type of system. It's got to be or it's not going to work. And the reason why so many churches, they, they falter and they fail. And the little bit, the first bit of problem, they splinter apart. How many churches closed in Toronto during COVID? Hundreds. Did you hear what I said? Hundreds. That shows me that those churches were built on sand, not on rock. That showed me that half the time those were false pastors because there's false pastors like there's false prophets. You can't pick that job. God has to author you in that job. He has to place you in that job. And it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. Believe me. It is so multi moving, dynamic, flowing. And you, if you can't do it without the anointing of God, you can't do it without the call of God. You can't. It's impossible. You'll fail. But in this little world that we have called the local church, there has to be order. There has to be discipline. There has to be respect. There has to be loyalty. There has to be a military mind that is ultimately our commanding officer is him. But our captain, so to speak, under Jesus is that pastor. And there's got to be an attitude of you're not trying to hurt us. You're trying to train us. You're trying to train us because days are coming. Those soldiers know any moment. And they told me, I'm not supposed to say this, but I'll say it anyway. They told me, they said every single week, forget Gaza. Forget Gaza. Every single week, sometimes daily in the West Bank, there are terrorists that are attacking settlements. And he said, it's not in the news and you won't know it from CNN because they don't report it. He said, it happens every single week. He said, two weeks ago, Terrorists climbed over the fence of our Jewish village and wanted to kill people. And our soldiers killed them. But we never go to them. They come to us and they come for blood. And he said, if we don't, they'll kill children. And, and, and they don't report that. But because of all the political, there's so much movement in the world right now. And they don't know what to report, what not to report. And so it's so charged. Everything is so charged. But I say that simply to say they are constantly constantly on alert. So when they're doing their drills, it's not an attitude of, well, we'll probably use this in a couple years. So it doesn't really matter if we run that fast. I watch them. Some of them, I mean, they were giving it their all. One guy, like they have to dive at a certain place and I'm standing talking and one guy dives right in front of me with his gun and another guy knocks me, knocks me almost over because he has to run this way and go behind a wall and do a, do a thing with his gun. And I mean, we're talking and they're doing these drills, but I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, they're diving. There's nobody around. This is a drill, but they're diving as though they were in a war. And I just, the Holy Ghost was impressed. He impressed me. I was, he was impressed because that military mind of giving it all, you're not in a fight, but you don't know when the fight is coming. So in training, you give it your all. When you come to church, you're in training. Give it your all. Show up on time. My goodness gracious me. Show up. Second point on time. Serve, tithe, love each other. But there's a military mind that has to come back to the church. I'm telling you, 
there, it is, the God was dealing with me about this over there. And he said, you're seeing in the natural what I desire to be in the spiritual realm. In my church, there needs to be a change of attitude because you need to get ready because things are on the horizon. Maybe we're not fighting people with guns physically, but we are fighting spiritual wars for our weapons are powerful in God. They are not, they are not, they are not natural weapons, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And all the way through the New Testament, he's talking about weaponry. He's talking about war. He's talking about fighting in that realm. And there has to be an attitude that goes with that. And I think this church has it as a general rule. So I'm not trying to rebuke you, make you feel bad. I'm just trying to sharpen you and say, if you're not fully there, get there, get there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let us consider one another to provoke. That doesn't mean in a negative way to, to push each other, uh, to, to, to move each other to the word in the Greek means to incite. If you incite rage, you're making somebody angry. This means incite. Provoke is a calmer word than incite, but that's what it really means. To incite one another unto love and to good works. That means Jessica is supposed to incite uh, uh, who? Philippa to love and to do good things. That's one of the ways you consider each other. Are you encouraging other people to do what God's asked them to do and to walk in love? Did you, you see that? Now watch verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So some people are not doing this right, but exhorting one another and the so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now have a look over, stay with me just a few more minutes. It's only 1234. Relax. I know you're not used to this because you're normally eating by now, but this is a weird service. So just stay with me. First Corinthians chapter 14. I'm watching the time. Don't be afraid. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Please read this for me, with me. <clears throat> for he, verse 3, that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and to exhortation and to comfort. Did you see that? 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The gift of prophecy, what we add the word simple because it just, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but it makes it easier to understand. The simple gift of prophecy versus the complex gift. The complex gift of prophecy is more, uh, it's more foretelling, it's more corrective, it's, and normally comes from a fivefold office. But the simple gift of prophecy is encouraging based. To edify, exhort, build people up, strengthen them. But the common, the common denominator, whether it's the complex gift or the simple gift, is that it's spontaneous, inspired utterance. What does that mean? That means you walk up to somebody and you say, hi, Hannah, and you're talking to Hannah, and you're just, you're maybe not even aware anything's going, but all of a sudden something just comes up from inside. And there's just something to say to her, something to encourage, but it's not your mind. It kind of came up from within you and you begin to speak that to your sister in Christ. Amen. And it's not about a corrective thing. That's not your role. That's, it's not about a, a prophesying, foretelling about her future. That's not really your role either. But, you're, but it's, it's something to strengthen her. It's something to encourage her. Could be even a word of knowledge through the gift of prophecy, meaning you know something about her that you wouldn't know but it's coming out spontaneously without you planning it beforehand. And you just, and, and you, and you build the body of Christ up. Are you listening to me? This simple gift of prophecy, it is a gift of the spirit. It's one of the nine gifts of the spirit that is supposed to operate in your life all the time. You may not always operate in tongues and interpretation of tongues. You might, but the simple gift of prophecy, talking to each other, 
calling each other, especially when you're in person, and just not being the dash. You know, you, we, got, we got Olympic medalists in this church for the 100 meter dash. Because when I say amen, down, they're gone. I mean, angels can't even catch up with them. Angels can't even catch up with some of you. Uh, Taylor says, God bless you. Before he even says goodbye, down, they're gone. God of mercy. But, but if you'll just hang out a little bit, relax, get a coffee. I'm not comfortable, Pastor Craig, with people. Okay, I understand that. But you, you have to work through that. Because you're not going to bring a supply to the body of Christ if you can't even talk to anybody. I've had people tell me over the years, I, I, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert too, but you have to make an effort. I've had people say, I'm not comfortable, so I'll just pray. No, but the Bible doesn't say, it says to pray, but it doesn't say only to pray. It says to exhort, encourage, build people up by prophecy. Now, you can go in advance. You could be thinking of happy, and you could think, now, none of us would think this, but let's just hypothetically say, you could be thinking in advance and go, wow, he has nice hair. Now, he doesn't, but let's just say that you thought he did. And, and you thought in advance, you know, he has great hair. Well, you could come up and say, happy, you know, I just want to tell you, you just got a beautiful head of hair. I just think you're awesome. Now, that's not the gift of prophecy. Because she planned to say that. But if she goes up to Happy and, and out of her heart just comes something to say to him, but it comes up out and she just says, you know, brother, I've just been thinking about you. You know, and I know your church is growing. You're going through a season, whatever it is. But these words just came out. I just want to tell you. And then she just, just says it. Just 10 seconds, 5 seconds. doesn't have to be a long, drawn thing. You don't have to lay hands. Just a little simple thing. But it comes up out of your spirit and it comes up spontaneously while you're talking to the person. But if you're never talking to anybody, how does anything get even get the chance to come up? So it takes time. It takes involving. It takes fellowshipping. It takes loving. Are you with me? How do you consider one another? Well, one of the ways is show up because it says don't forsake the gathering. That means come. But how, when you come, what does that mean? Now, when you're around, exhort one another. What is the exhort? That's that gift of prophecy. That doesn't have to be the gift of prophecy. You can exhort without it being spontaneous. Most of the exhorting probably is just natural, so to speak. But don't be, don't be fooled. God wants things to come up out of your spirit by the gift of prophecy, spontaneous inspired utterance. People have misunderstood prophecy. They think all oh, prophecies are yea, and again I say yea. Thus saith the Lord. That is not really, that is one very small part of prophesying. Prophesying is not just about that. Prophesying is inspired, uh, uh, spontaneous words that come that the Holy Ghost is giving you to bless somebody. It could be in a service where you're speaking to the whole group and it's coming out spontaneously. It could be in one-on-one -on -one conversation. But there is, we are commanded to exhort one another. And then it tells us in Corinthians that part of the exhorting, not all of it, but part of it will come by that spontaneous utterance. But if you're never around people... Can I, can, I, can I play a little bit more games with you? Because I've just come from Israel. I've just come from a war zone. I don't really care what you think. You've got a cushy, cozy life. Can I tell you one other thing just to mess up your beehive hairdo? Sandra starts doing that. You don't have a beehive hairdo, Sandra. You'd know it if you did because it looks like a beehive. Praise God. We don't have anybody in our church like that. But to just mess you up a little bit, if you're always in a clique, 
If you're always talking to the same people all the time, because, well, I'm comfortable. I understand you're comfortable. We all draw to certain people, but you've got to be mature enough to break out of that click and to actually go to people that you don't normally talk to. Because how do you not know that when you take that step of faith, that step of kindness to engage people that maybe are not in your regular circle, that things will come up out of your spirit for that person and you'll just be a fountain of refreshing water in your conversation with them. How much more would happen in our church if people hung out and didn't just, first of all, hung out. I don't mean forever. I mean just a few minutes. I'm not talking extremes. And didn't just talk to the same people all the time. What would happen? I'm telling you, stuff would happen. Praise the Lord. So we have to consider one another. And showing up is such an important part. Uh, How you consider the local church, consider one another, also includes your pastor. It includes the leadership. But it includes one another. And I think this church, we're very good. This is a very honorable church in how it treats my wife and I. But I think we need to improve a little bit how we treat each other. Are you with me? It's very, 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 very important. So I want you to turn with me, please. I was going to play a little video, but I think I'm going to pause on that right now because I want to get to this next point. It's very important. I want you to have a look quickly, please, with me. Uh, Just a couple more scriptures and then we'll close. Genesis chapter 13. I know we mentioned it recently, but I want to mention it again. And just stay with me. So I've I've told you a few things here. This military type mindset we have to start focusing on. But that was just spontaneously the Holy Ghost been dealing with me about that. That wasn't really in my sermon, but that's coming out by the Spirit. That is actually by the gift of prophecy this morning. But then I'm, I'm, that's one kind of issue we've talked about. But then I've been focusing in the last few minutes about how considering one another, considering the body, it means coming. It means being militaristic in your mindset of being on time, of being involved, of not whining and complaining and feeling everybody's hurting your feelings with them. Soldiers don't feel that way. But when you're here, think about other people. Don't just think about your little group. Think about everybody. Have, have a word in season. Be willing to talk. Be willing to share. Be willing not to dart out the door. Be willing to engage with people because you'd be shocked at how much God will use you to bless people's lives and how much other people will bless your life if you just talk to them. Spiritual people I'm talking about. So that is part of considering one another is this fellowship and this exhortation. That's why one of those words is exhortation because the Lord said to me, focus on exhortation because your church doesn't do it enough. Are you listening to me? Other denominations where, and I'm going to say something controversial, but just go with me for a second. Some denominations, the pastor in the office doesn't really know who he is. A lot of denominations, the pastor doesn't really know their role. Most denominations, the pastor doesn't really know their role. And so the focus is not so much on the office, it's on the people, which is why most churches, and I say that intentionally, most churches, more than half, are run by the people. The board runs the pastor. The deacons run the pastor. Everybody's voting. Everybody's got to say from the perspective that this is a democratic church, but God never authored a democratic church. He authored a theocratic church, which means God is leading. But most churches, the people are so, now pay attention, stay with me. The people are so engaged and they know their power. And the pastor is like a little puppet. And he don't know nothing. And he don't know, and they push him around. I, I, I go to church, I see this, I know what I'm talking about. In churches like that, now listen, then the pastor doesn't really know his, his place. 
the way he should know it, the way, because he's probably never been taught it. There's not as much focus on the office, but there's a lot of focus on the congregation. Now listen, the good part of that, it's bad, but there's a good, there's a silver lining. The good part about that is because a congregation know how important they are and how much power they have. Those kind of congregations usually are much closer. They intertwine, they talk, they fellowship, they, because they're very aware of themselves. I'm, I'm trying to just help you strategically understand how this works. But in our group, our flow, our camp, whatever you want to call it, where there is a lot of teaching and a lot of revelation on the offices and how important those offices are for your life, the, the focus tends to then, the spotlight comes on the minister and the spotlight is off the congregation. And the congregation loses a little bit of perspective of how important the forest is because they're just looking at the tree. And they forget that they have a role and they just think, well, it's just pastor, just pastor, just pastor, just pastor. And that's good, but it's also bad because then the congregation loses perspective of who they really are and how important they are in the body. So then in our groups, the congregation typically disappears and they don't really fellowship because everything is focused on the main tree and not on the forest. And yet God wants there to be a balance. He doesn't want the extreme where the congregation is close, but the pastor is is not operating the way he should because he's, he's beaten down. He also doesn't want it the way I think we lean more toward this way where there's so much focus on the pastor, but the congregation is kind of, you don't even know who you are half the time. And you don't know how important you are and you don't know your value to each other. So we have to, I'm not taking the focus off the office. That would be wrong. I'm keeping the spotlight here, but I'm now adding a new spotlight. We're not taking one off for another. We're just adding another spotlight to shine on you. Because if you really knew how valuable you were to people in this church, some people are going to get things Everybody will get certain things by that office. But there's some people that for whatever reason, they're hurting, they're offended, whatever. They're not going to get as much from the office as you think that they will. But when they're having a coffee and somebody who's a spiritual believer comes up and says, Sister, tell me what's going on. How are you doing? And they talk and you're like, oh boy, I didn't know you were going through that. And then all of a sudden the compassion comes. And then can I, give me your hand. Let's pray. Let me pray the prayer of faith with you. I'm going to stand with you. We're going to turn that. Call me this week. Let me know how it happens. You know, they may not have got as much from the tree. Not that I'm lessening that. But from the forest, as they're mingling, somebody has a word in season and it's like a refreshing stream into their heart. But if you don't know that that's your job, that's your role, that is part of considering the body. That you actually minister to people by the Holy Ghost in kindness and love. If you don't know that. Everything becomes the office and nothing becomes the people. And I'm telling you, that is an imbalance. And most people in the Word of Faith movement have a very gross imbalance on that. And I'm not lessening the office. I'm adding another focus because your role with people and especially visitors. Can I tell you something? I'm getting off track, but I got to keep going. Can I tell you something? A little while ago, I just, I'm a very realistic person. I looked at all the stats at how many visitors came to see me, you know, the little greet the pastor thing. And did that actually work? It don't work at all. Nobody stays because they meet me. And it's not because I'm not doing a good job. I just think that, see, we're office heavy. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's going it's to make all the difference in the world if they just talk to the pastor. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes it does, but most times it doesn't. But then I started talking to people who have joined the church, who never came to see me. So what, how'd you hear about us and what made you stay? So there's a variety of reasons how they heard about us. That always changes. But the common denominator is, this is the, this is the, the, the most kind church. I, I talked to somebody in the thing and, and, they, and they talked to me about my life and I felt loved. One person had the gall to say, uh, I don't really like your preaching, but the people are really nice. Somebody said that to me a little while ago. And you're probably in this room, so don't lift your hand. Now, that's because they come from a church that teaches that God doesn't heal, that God does, so they're a little bit offended with me. But if they'll just give it some time, they'll realize the teaching will help them. But initially, Pastor Happy, the teaching didn't get through to them. It was the, somebody in the cafe asked about their life and prayed a simple prayer and made them feel special, made them feel loved, made them feel seen, and then said, I'll follow up with you. I'm standing in faith with you. We pray the word of agreement. I don't get out of agreement. That made more impact than my sermon. So there has to be a focus on the office, but there has to be a focus on the sheepfold. When you consider this church, let us consider one another by not forsaking, by gathering together to exhort. Notice it didn't say, let us gather together to hear preaching. Now you have to hear preaching, but notice it didn't even mention the preacher. It didn't mention worship. It said, let us gather together to exhort one another, which means there's got to be a major emphasis on exhortation. Before service, and if you're always late, and after service, you can't be gone like a gunshot. If you want to be spiritual, and if you want to treat the local church right, you've got to give of yourself. You've got to give of yourself. In that Arabic church, I'm praying, and of course, you know, the pastor don't do it the way I like to do it, you know, instead of just having people line up and let me pray, he wants me to go to one person, then he has to anoint everybody, and then he has to ask them what they need, and then tell me what they need, and I'm just getting more and more annoyed this way, because I don't like that, it's tiring, and I don't feel much anointing anyway, and, and, and he said, one more, and then, and then he says, sorry, three more, and then we do the three, and he says, two more, and, and I started to actually get in the flesh, because I'm like, I am tired, I'm jet lagged. I'm tired. Don't keep telling me two more. Just line them up. And when I'm done, I'm done. But he kept, oh, but just one more, just one more. And I started to get almost like, I was about to say something. Well, how many more? Because it's just annoying me. I don't, that's not my way. I have order in a church. That is disorganized to me. So it goes against my flow. And the Holy Ghost rebuked me as I was standing there. Now he, he wants order. And he knows this is the better way to do it. But he rebuked me and he said, is this your job? In other words, you may not like photocopying, but if it's your job, shut up and do your job and don't tell the boss you don't like photocopying. You're being paid to do whatever the boss tells you to do. He was displeased with me. He said, is this your job? And I said, yes. He says, well, then stop whining and minister to my people. I zip my mouth, man. I just said, oh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to pray for this person. <laughs> and then when he said one more, I said, no problem, Pastor. I mean, I switched my attitude because God was upset. And then when we were done, I said, anybody else? Any cats, any dogs? 
Anything that we need to pray for? Because I realized God was upset with the fact that I was annoyed because it wasn't organized the way my personality prefers. But it was not about that. It was about his sheep. And these are precious people that needed a touch from God. And just because a pastor does it in a way that I don't necessarily do it, that is not, it's my job. And I was getting off, just like all of us get off. It's about people. It's not about you wanting to go to McDonald's. It's about people. It's not about you being an introvert. It's about people. It's not about you. Well, I'm just not a good speaker. I don't have good English. It's about somebody other than you. You've got to get thinking of the sheep. I have a supply for the sheep. I serve. I pray. I give. I do all this stuff. But what about encourage? I've got an exhortation supply. Somebody needs something that I've got. Even if it's just a little bit, you look beautiful today. You have no idea what that might mean to somebody if they don't feel they look beautiful. And you also have no idea what a comment about their dress or their figure or their complexion or their skin color. I'm not, listen to me. Because I know things that none of you know. And I know the hurts that have been caused in this church over the years because of people that don't think before they speak. And you have no idea what your words can do to pierce somebody's heart. Also, you have no idea what a simple phrase can do to build somebody up and make their weak. My brother and sister, we've got to exhort. Genesis chapter 13. Let's go real quick now. And Lot also, verse 5, 13, 5, and Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell there together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife, strife, strife. You see that word? Strife is a bad word. That means to contest, a contestation, a controversy, a chiding between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Parasite dwell in the land. Why does it say that? Because where there's strife, there's weakness. And when the enemies are in the land, you can't afford weakness. That military unit, Greg, I'm telling you, like one person. How many was there? Ten? But they acted like one. They can't get upset with each other. They can't get upset with their commander. They can't lag behind because in a battle group, in a battle scene, when the battle's actually going and there's gunfire and there's blood and there's shells and it's deafening and there's confusion and there's chaos, if you have not practiced being one, you will absolutely smash apart. They might smash apart anyway, even if they have practiced being one because of the pressure of the battle. But if you've practiced being one, there's a good chance you'll do that in an actual war. We have to practice having this unity, not the strife. Because when the pressure comes, we have to pull together. Are you listening? And the enemy will take advantage when there's strife. And Abraham said to Lot, notice Abraham brought it up. Listen, the guy who brings it up is the spiritual one. When you don't address strife with somebody, you're not the spiritual one. The one who's spiritual doesn't ignore it. The one who's spiritual fixes it. And Abraham spiritually is the man. He said, Lot, let there not be strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my brethren, my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land. He didn't kick him out. He gave him a choice. Lot could have decided to stay with him, which would have been better. Then he wouldn't have gone into Sodom and had all the mess in his life. But he didn't say, leave me. He didn't kick him out. He gave him a choice. But the person of the spiritual has to give the striving person, we have to fix this. We have to give you a choice. Now, you can either separate and fix the strife, or you can stay and fire your herdmen and fix the strife. Take your pick, but the strife has to go. That's basically what he's saying. 
And he said, the whole land is before you. Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. Uh, he's not kicking him out. He's saying, we got to fix this. If you take the left, I'll take the right. If you take the right, I'll take the left. Meaning, I'm not greedy. Take the best land. The blessing's on me, buddy. Uh, by the way, Lot, the blessing ain't on you. The blessing's on me. And the only reason you're being blessed is because you're in my company. Because as soon as you leave my company, you get into filthy, vile sexual immorality. Then you get kidnapped by kings. Then you come back. Then when I turn the city to, 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 uh, in fire and your wife turns to salt, you come and have sex with your two daughters. Same vileness. That spirit of, of, of sexual immorality was, was there on those girls. And he yielded to it. Now, if he, had stayed with, if he had stayed with Uncle Abraham, none of that would have happened. But you see, but, he, but, he, but listen, strife had to be dealt with. Either fix it and stay with me, that's the good idea. Or fix it and leave, that's the not so good idea. But you pick, but we have to deal with strife. So God is saying to some of this congregation, uh, there can't be strife here. There's got to be exhortation, but there can't be strife. There's got to be love. So either, either leave, which is not the good idea. But by you leaving, well, there'll be no strife. <laughs> or stay, which is the better thing, and let's work together and let's figure this out. But either way, strife has to go. I'm telling you this on purpose because we're coming into a new phase and into a new year. And there has to be an increased love in this church by exhorting each other, encouraging each other, but also showing each other love and not striving. Not gossiping, not talking behind people's backs, not making fun of people, even in secret or to your little group of friends because you know they can't hear you. God hears you. And so, so a lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plane and he decided to go there. Anyway, so you know that. So uh, the point is strife. Now quickly, he, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, very quickly, and then we'll, and then we'll leave. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm not asking you to leave, just like he wasn't. I'm saying, let's, fig let's figure this. If there's aught in your heart about anybody in the church, you've got to deal with it. And if you're spiritual, you'll go bring it up. Do you understand? Now, there's a, there's a balance to that, because sometimes spirituality just means forgive and move on. And if that ends the strife, then you don't always have to bring everything up. Sometimes it's the baby Christians that have to bring everything up. Like, like, like Pastor Nancy taught, that thing, go to your brother. That's for, that's for Christians that are on a lower level that are easily offended about everything. But there's also a flip to that side of the coin. If you've forgiven them, but it's not, the strife is not going away because of them. Maybe you're right, but they're not. If you're spiritual, you won't ignore it. You'll address it. Yeah. And you listen to me. You don't have to call the office and say, I need a meeting with Pastor Craig because he has to address it. No, you can address it yes. in a loving, kind, gentle way. An attitude of humility. Not an attitude of, I told you, you're wrong. Can you believe you did that? An attitude of humility, brother. There can't be strife amongst us. Uh, we all need to be on the same team here. We're a military unit under Pastor Craig. We got to be in one. We got to be like one, well, like one man, even though there's many of us. We all got to be linked in this. So there's an issue here. I'm sorry. Take the initiative. Even if you did nothing wrong, I'm sorry for whatever I did. And could you tell me what I did? Because so I could be specific about my apology. But we got to fix this. We got to deal with this. There can't be strife. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you'd look, please, and verse uh, 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Natural man means non-born again man. None of you are natural men or women. All of you are saved. So get that terminology clear. You're not a natural man according to Scripture. A natural man is not born again. Right. Now go to the next chapter, chapter 13 and verse 1. I, brethren, 
chapter 3, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual people, but as unto carnal people. So a natural person, quote unquote, is not born again. But when you get born again, like everybody in this room, you fall into two categories. And sometimes they bleed into each other like a rainbow and you can't divide them because they're bleeding into each other. But there's two categories when you're saved. But Reverend Joel talked about this. There's two categories. There's a category of carnal. There's a category of spiritual. But you're both born again. Okay? Now, the more you, what you, the more you get the, the word in you to wash your mind, the more you're filled with the spirit and live by the spirit, you're going to be spiritual. But the more you follow your flesh and what your carnal man wants to do, your flesh, you're going to be carnal. Now, just stay with me for a second. Notice he says here, I'm speaking, I can't speak unto you as spiritual people, but as carnal people, even as unto babes in Christ. In other words, you're like a little baby. Watch, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Carnal people can only handle the very simplicity of the word. Watch now, for thereunto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. In other words, I couldn't give you deeper revelation because you're so carnal, you, you just won't receive it. But now watch the third verse. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envyings and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? What is Paul saying? I can't feed you the deeper revelations of the word because you are gossiping about you. Because you have envying and strife and strivings with people in the congregation. So listen, you don't connect the dots. If you're at odds with somebody in the congregation, it's not just about you and that person. It's actually about you not being able to receive revelation from the word. You can't get revelation from the word if you're in strife with somebody. You're acting like a little baby. That's, what, that's basically what he's saying. You're acting like a child. And I'm trying to grow you up spiritually. So one way I know that revelation is getting into the congregation is when I know that there's very little strife in the congregation because where there is love and there is spirituality and there is love walk and honoring the people amongst themselves as well as the people toward me. When there's that atmosphere of love and honor, revelation will flow. When there's an attitude of jealousy, striving, strive, greedy, this kind of, all this kind of backbiting, gossiping, all this kind of revelation stops flowing. If we don't have revelation, what do we also not have? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the revealed word. If there's no revelation, there's no faith. If there's no faith, there's no victory. So if there's strife in this congregation, there's not going to be revelation. That means there's not going to be faith growing. That means there's not going to be victory growing. That means this congregation's going nowhere and it's going nowhere fast. And notice he didn't mention the worship. He didn't mention a lot of other things. He mentioned strife. Strife will stop the revelation. You'll stay a little baby on milk. It's important whether you like it or not. Last verse, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. Last one. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. I have other stuff to say, but it's too late. So we're going to end it now. Hebrews 5, 13. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 12. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles. In other words, you've got to go back to the basics. And are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He's a little baby. 
But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. He's talking about spiritual age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, will you become more sensitive to the realm of the spirit and to the leading of the Holy Ghost? There's a lot more that that means, but I'm not going to get into that right now. The point is, if you are sensitive to the spirit and you are skillful with the word of God, you can handle more revelation, more revelation will come, but that also means you're eating meat. That also means that you're not striving with people. You're not angry with people, but now reverse it. If you're striving and there's all this problem happening, it means that you're drinking milk because you're acting like a baby. It means revelation is not flowing. It means that you're not spiritually discerned. It means you have not developed your spiritual senses and your spiritual life. And he's saying, don't act that way. Paul can't be more clear. In 1 Corinthians and Hebrews, he's saying it very, very clearly. I don't want a church that is unskillful, Jenny, in the word of righteousness. Because you go into battle with a soldier that is unskillful, well, you're going to die. It's as simple as that. We need skillfulness. Where do you get skillfulness from? Spiritually discerned, spiritually attuned, eating the strong meat of the word, minds renewed. And a big part of that is how we treat other people. This is a major problem, Jenny. People separate in their mind. I'm a spiritual giant. I'm spiritually mature. Listen to me. Because I pray, because I'm getting revelation, because all this stuff is happening. But God is saying that may be partially true, but it's connected to the people around you. If you're not treating the people around you purely with love, if you're striving, if you're hurting people's feelings, if you're causing division, you're, you may think you're spiritually mature, but God is saying you're actually not. And you think you're on meat, but you're really on milk. You think you're skillful, but you're not. Because it affects what you do to the people affects your life. Do you see that? You're not an island unto yourself. It doesn't matter how much you pray and how much it does matter, but you know what I'm saying. How much you're receiving, how much revelation you're getting, and you're gobbling up the word. If you're cruel to people after the service. You can't be spiritually mature and mistreat the saints. Do you understand? Now, you can treat the saints right and still be spiritually immature. You can love everybody, but not know anything about the Bible, not listen, and revelation's not really coming. It's coming, but you're not receiving it. So just because you're good to people doesn't mean that you're growing, but it opens the door to growth. You can be trying to grow, but you're keeping everybody at arm's length. You may be growing partially, but God is saying that striving is not right. It hinders that church from growing in skillfulness. It hinders you from growing. It hinders you from knowing how to handle that word right. I hope, you, I hope you're listening. The Lord said, talk to them about loving the body. Let us consider one another by showing up at church, but tell them it's so important that we exhort each other because there's giftings, there's help in every one of you to help those around you. Amen. And also that striving, immaturity, this, this attitude of, of uh, pushing back and, 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 and pride, gossip. I'm trying to think of other adjectives. That just, that just, you think you're better than people. You don't want to talk to people. You, you, you're not good enough to be around me. You give people cut eye. People walk by you and you ignore them. That is so carnal. You, you can have all your revelations, but if you're not treating that congregation right, God says you're nothing but a baby. 
You think you're that mature, but you're not because your maturity is not based on just how much you know in the Bible. It's based on how you treat people. Notice the fruits of the Spirit is how you treat people. So that love walk, getting strife out, that love walk is so valuable for this next season that we're coming into. What does the Bible say? Don't look at there, but I'll just quote it to you first uh, in John 3, 13, 35. And this they'll know that you're my disciples. Not because you're preaching, although you could preach. But Jenny, they're going to know that you're my disciples and that you love me, that you're born again, that you're part of something called a local church. They're going to know with one, Jesus only mentions one thing, because how you love each other. Yeah. Somebody walks into this church who's a sinner, and they, they should watch how you treat people, and that's how they should know that you follow Jesus. Yeah. It didn't say they should watch how you pray. Mm-hmm. It didn't say they should watch how you quote scripture. Mm-hmm. It didn't say that even you can get a prayer answered because you used your faith. It said how you treat somebody else that is in the body of Christ. That is going to be a witness, the greatest testimony to a sinner as to that you're my, that you're my sheep. Jesus puts such a high value in how we treat people. Whether we feel like it, like me at that altar call or not, it's our job. You don't have to be a minister for it to be your job. It's your job to treat people right. It's your job to come here not just saying, give me, give me, give me, pour it into me, pour it into me. What about, Lord, who can I pour into? Lord, who can I serve? What ministry of helps can I do? When the service is over, Lord, who can I encourage? Who can I exhort? Yes, you're going to receive, but what about giving to somebody else? Kind of come here like an inflow outflow. The Dead Sea's dead because it comes in the Jordan River at the top and it doesn't go out the bottom. It stagnates. If all I'm doing is pouring into you all the time and you're just sitting there, but you're not giving out at all, you're going to stagnate like the Dead Sea. Give out. When we dismiss in three minutes, spend a little bit of time. Go to somebody you haven't seen in a while. Don't just do it because I say it. Do it because it's in your heart. And just have something to say. If you don't have anything to say, just compliment them. Find something nice to say. You might be surprised. Something might bubble up out of your heart. Something may not. But just start to love this exhortation and getting... If you hurt somebody's feelings, if you know there's ought, go to them and say, I'm sorry, I want to make it right. Pastor Craig doesn't need the conflict within his unit. This is a unit. This is a military unit. This is a military unit. You may not have... M- M16 machine guns, but you've got faith. You've got the name of Jesus. You've got angels. You've got authority and power. You've got a call. We're doing this thing as a group. This is a military unit. We don't need strife in the unit because we're preparing for war. And I really mean that. And I've just come from a war zone and I know I feel it very strongly because I, it it's connects to the spirit world very much more than you think it does. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people that came today. Despite the, new, the change of time, Lord, I, I so appreciate their honor. Their honor for you, their honor for the word, their honor for each other, their honor for me. I thank you for helping them to come today. Lord, they didn't just quit on me. They didn't just stay home because it was a little bit of a hiccup at the time. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that they've listened with an open heart, not a, not a know-it-all attitude of, oh, I'm perfect. I've, I don't need to listen to this. Lord, every one of us listen with a humble heart. Lord, that if we're not doing right by our brothers and sisters, that we would repent of that right now and make it right. And that we would walk in love with each other and there would be no strife amongst the servants of the Lord. For in this military unit, we need unity. And that, Lord, we would exhort and love each other and have a, have a, have a word in season to pour out like fresh fountain of water through our words. Just whether it's a little hug or whether it's a little phrase or even just a look can make somebody's day. 
Lord, let this church be not just the friendliest church around, but let this church be, have the love of God shed abroad, Romans 5, 5, in our hearts. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let us let that love overflow on each other. They have no idea what a simple statement can mean in somebody's life. Maybe their statement will have more impact than my whole sermon. Let them not underestimate their value in this church. And I thank you for it. I thank you that we're going to grow in exhortation and we're going to grow in love. We're going to enter this new season skillful. Not just babies eat drinking milk, but growing up spiritually, having our spirit man well-toned, able to discern, able to know that realm. Like Hebrews says, I thank you, Jesus. You're, you're taking our group and you're making us into a military commando unit in the spirit where we accomplish things sent down by our commanding officer, the Holy Ghost. And we pray things out and we preach things out and we go and plant churches and we go and do all the different aspects that you're asking this ministry to do. We do it together as a military commando unit and we train together. And we love each other together. And we're in unity together. And I thank you, Lord. I know I can feel you smiling. I can feel it. Lord, you don't always do that. But I, I just, I can feel the Holy Ghost. He's smiling on us this morning. Lord, I know you're pleased with what I've said about that military parallel. You want this congregation to pick it up to another level. And not be too touchy. And too oversensitive. We're a military unit. And we're in the spiritual realm. We're in war. And it matters every person within the sound of my voice, small or great, young or old, rich or poor, black or white or any other color. It ma they matter in this military unit. We need each other. And we need to go to the next level in 2024 that we can fulfill the mandate of our commanding officer. So we give you praise and glory now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.